Don't worry, you're good. Oh, so you weren't recording already? No, no, no. That's the record. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is the good news. So, yeah, yeah, the beat, the beat. And whenever, you know, I'm listening to the podcast and I hear that beat, I just want it to keep going so I can freestyle. So I'm like, it, 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 sometimes when I'm driving, picture me in my Kia Sedona, a couple boosters, booster seats around me, and I'm basically trying to freestyle with my mask on driving in the streets of Brandon is kind of funny but you know sometimes when I'm running same thing I hear that beat and I just want to freestyle but I'm out of breath and it, it doesn't last to go very long but speaking of uh, freestyle I heard uh, your freestyle on the yeah who was it Curly's Curly's yeah yeah we dropped a few bars you know we were just bored in the P office one day and I just started goofing around and then Corb's had it on record mm-hmm yeah. That's how stars are born. Right? It was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Is this a challenge? I, we're waiting. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 uh. One, two, three. One, two, three. It's no VT from Richmond, BC. Back up off me, I'll shoot the three. That's all I got. <laughs> you better not be writing some quick bars. No, not at all. Are you? I thought you were going. No, I was, I was too busy crying laughing over here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so when we started this thing, it was like, I was like, yeah, Corbs, we'll do Umi says most F. Like, that'll be our intro music, right? So I play it for him. I'm all fired up, right? And he's like, uh, I got news for you, man. Like, if you play more than whatever amount of seconds, like, we're going to get sued. And I'm like, dude, this is a hoops journey, man. We're small time. He's like, well, you know, if, you know, if someone's just happens to roll across our podcast. So you have to go to this website and you have to pick all these different, like, they're just acoustics that instrumental beats that someone's made that you can buy off of them, you know? Right. So funny. Is that where that one's from? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Appreciate nice. it, though. Okay, so you don't have any actual real questions other than the, no. the sound is sounds like Tinkerbell? <laughs> That's more of a comment, <laughs> really. It's feedback. I'll, I'll get some <laughs> Say that again, sorry. Get some six ones for you. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. All right. I got you. I the little things. The, the little things. Don't be breaking the budget here, Corpse. Don't be breaking the budget. Go I ahead. want you to work out all the kinks before my turn, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying. Why would you want to be on the early one? Like, Zim yeah, is always no. like, man, it's so much better than when you guys had me on, man. Like, right? Nah, Zim's was good. I, I love Zim's. Don't be saying Detlef Shrimp's the greatest player I've ever seen, though. Oh, that made me... I started laughing when I heard that. I was going <laughs> to message you, actually. I was going to message you and just say, Detlef Shrimp! Exclamation <laughs> mark. But... Yeah, I'll talk about Zim in a bit, because we were, we were teammates on... Uh, I think it was the U... I don't know. Uh, when you had the zones, what was that? BC Summer mm. Games, I think it was. Zim's. 13U or something like that. He was he was our guy. He was the go-to guy. So you're going to just yeah. let him know that he peaked at 12, hey? <laughs> uh, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> no, man. But he... he...
about to make a little trip out to Lulu Island slash Brandon, Manitoba. We have um, on this episode of A Hoops Journey, one of, in my opinion, if not the greatest point guard to come out of British Columbia, a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Stevenson Packer, a man who went through the college ranks and ended up playing at SFU, um, has a coaching resume that I read. Um, and is now the head coach for the Brandon University women's basketball program since 2012. Uh, a dear friend of mine, a great dude, uh, a Dolphin Park legend. I've never seen anyone like Slurpees and Sour Keys more in my entire life. So, so, so excited to have Novel Thomas on. Novi, how you doing, man? Very good, thank you. Uh, appreciate the kind words there. He got something wrong there. I'm not on the Basketball BC Hall of Fame. Uh, what? No, I am in the Richmond, uh, Richmond. Sports Hall of Fame, which, uh, yeah, that was that happened last fall. That's what was, it was. Which was a that lot of fun. A, that should lead to a quick nomination then right there at Basketball BC. <laughs> please, please, uh, this guy should just be, no one should need to nominate him. Just take a look at the resume. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. How's everything? How's uh, how have you and your lovely family and your you know your coaching world kind of turned upside down? Your profession, you know, what have you done over the last four, five, five and a half months to uh, to kind of get through it all? And I know you're an upbeat dude, and you're uh, you're an observer and a thinker, but you always find a positive. So, how have you and your family been doing? And, and where where are you at these days? Yeah, it's been. Uh crazy and I like to plan and be on top of things but you know plans have changed multiple times and by the rate of things out here who knows if plans will change again like where we were better off uh, back in whatever it was March April March we were better off mm. then than we are now so and we stopped sending the kids to school back then so it's interesting uh, but you just got to find ways to uh, continue to grow and whether that's listening to more podcasts or reading more. Um, yeah, just the teaching responsibilities here at the university kind of have to figure out how to do an online offering and figure out the best ways to do it because there are many different ways to do it. So, um, yeah, it's just a lot of juggling from the kids to the team. Uh to the teaching but things are going well you know it's uh forced us all to slow down and uh you know it was great not to have to rush kids to activities uh, throughout the spring and just have family dinners and it got dangerous for a while because we would have sit-down meals for breakfast lunch and dinner and then probably two weeks into the covid kind of freeze I was like jumping on the scale and I was way too heavy. So I had to cut back to oatmeal and smoothies and carrot sticks at lunch and then a bigger meal at dinner. But wow. Yeah. How is your knee? It is what it is, man. You know, just try to put up with it. Mm. Doesn't lock, doesn't lock on me anymore. So we're good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that might be a problem. (laughs) 
Thanks for being with us, man. When I was looking through your resume um, and the stuff that you've not only accomplished as a player, but the time that you've given back to the game, obviously we have a, like a, a funny, which we'll talk about funny period of time where, you know, we were roommates and, and uh, that was a great time in my life. But I also forgot, forgot, and we're, we'll discuss just like how much time you gave back to the game. And um, I think your story is, is super cool. Um, and it's selfishly one of the fun things for me has been going back, at least for the people that I know, like we've had a few that I've just learned about and that's been fun, but the people that I know to go back into time and just hear their stories and, and it's just brought back a lot of great things. So we're, we're super excited to have you on, man. Um, t talk to me about life growing up in Richmond, a young guy, uh, like a little kid, you know, what was your family structure like? What were the sports that you played? Um, I'm obviously just going to listen because I know a lot about you. But, um, you know, how, how was it growing up and what, what did you do? Were you just running around the neighborhood doing everything you could? I know you're an ice hockey guy, too. Just talk about that from a young age. What sport was in your life? Yeah, no, it was just uh, me, my sister and my parents and, uh, and Steve Stin, which was not quite the same place it is today, but uh, nonetheless, uh, somewhere I'll always consider home. Uh, but I was, you know, young kid, loved to play sports, really loved hockey, like never played ice hockey. But, you know, there is this one street called Pintail, and that's where we'd all go after school and play. We play football on the street sometime, and but usually it was hockey and we went from just street you know running to to roller like four wheels to inline and then um eventually you went to ice after i was finished from from sfu but um hockey was huge and it wasn't probably well soccer of course uh was it was pretty big too uh but it wasn't until probably grade six when i started uh to play basketball and uh, was interested in basketball. Um, I think just started watching the Supersonics as many of us did um, out there on the coast. Watching the the Sonics and Sedale Threat and uh, Dale Ellis and um, all those guys before GP got there and before Peyton got there. But it was the Lakers and Magic that man that that got me out on the court kind of after the game played, usually on a Sunday, just straight out to the back door, or sorry, backyard, rain or shine, to imitate what Magic did, you know, how he dished to James Worthy or to Kareem or Byron Scott, like just nonstop by myself, just imitating Magic. And that was like, it was his birthday just a couple of days ago and a few people tweeted like some highlight packages and it was like, man. Like, I saw you, you... Yeah, you re you retweeted that, didn't you? Yeah. And I saw it, and I was just like, "That he's better than I remember." Like, yeah, he's a bad just, man. <laughs> like some of his no no looks were ridiculous. Like he's looking to the left, and there was nobody even to his left. Yeah. But spectators in the opposition's bench, but he could still drop some crazy dimes and fast. And yeah, no, those are those are the days that gave me you know a target really yeah cool and 
you know, one of the fun things too is going back and just how the landscape you mentioned, you know, St- Stevenson itself has changed a lot, but just Richmond as a whole in terms of what what was to you was a junior high or a middle school, whatever you called it, is now a high school, right? And just the the transformation that way, right? So being in Steveston, um, did you go to a junior high? Uh, was there a coach or someone? Did you have a group of guys that you hooped with all the time? You said grade six was when you kind of got drawn into it. Um, what was it that you remember about that that kind of got you drawn? Was there a program or something? And then talk a little bit about your transition into what we would have called, you know, junior high school. Yeah, so um, our feeder school was London Junior Secondary. It's now called Steveston London, and at, but back then, uh, London Junior Secondary was eight to ten school, and then you would feed into Steveston High School. Steveston High School is now gone, um, but uh, going in grade seven, um, all the feeder schools to London Junior Secondary they were invited to a tournament. So I got to see and play against, uh, you know, a good, a good friend in Lucky, Lucky Bindra. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, and then with that came my introduction to the Dolphin Park, which really kind of wet the palate. And you're like, oh, okay, who, who would have thought that beyond two road, there's this, you know, little, little court where, everybody plays at every summer from sunup to sundown. So the introduction and then taking it to the next level was, you know, strictly the Bindra family. Uh, Lucky was my age. And then, you know, Bira was kind of like my older brother who would drive me and Lucky to wherever he was playing. And, you know, it'd be various community centers throughout Richmond. And, you know, Lucky and I would just shoot on the side. And then when, you know, Beer was, I don't know how much older, he's considerably older. Like I would consider, I, I would guess 10 years. I could be completely wrong, but, you know, he was driving when we didn't even know what standard was, right? So he would take us to, to various courts. And like I said, Lucky and I would just shoot around. And then when one of Beer's friends had to go to work or pulled a calf muscle or a cramp, then we would get a call into the game so lucky would get the call in first and he'd go play and then i'd be on the side and then just hoping that somebody else would pull a calf muscle or you know have to go to work so that i would get a opportunity to play and you know playing against older guys became the norm and it kind of started with you know the dolphin park tournament and uh you know hanging out with the bindra family which was huge, and the, one of my play cousins, uh, you know, his name's Kent, uh, Kent Charles, he was older as well, and he would actually, we would leave Richmond, and we would go to Kitts, and we would go to, um, I think it was Moody Park, out in New West, I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just another opportunity to play, and play against bigger guys, and you start to get recognized a little bit at Kitts, and at those different um, courts, which was, which was fun because back then, like if you lose, you're sitting out for hour, hour and a half, like King's mm-hmm. court. So, you know, you want to have a solid squad so that you continue to play or, cause if you lose one, you're, you're done. You might as well, might as well leave. But, uh, yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was the Bindra family. And like I said, with my play cousin there where, 
I just had the opportunity to play and play and play. You know, there was no skill development camps. You know, there were camps, but not to the same extent. There are no clubs to the same extent that there is today. But, uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of time spent with that Bendra family. And then, obviously, just tagging along with Lucky, got more involved with the Dolphin Park. Saw, you know, the Richmond legends, whether it be Putsy or the Tates or DeWitts, and just saw those guys playing. You hear the name, and then you put a face to it, and you're just like, oh, that's who it is. Okay, well, let me study his game. And, you know, how can I get onto that court and play in front of, you know, all these people? You know, that one weekend in July, which was, you know, always something that I uh, look forward to, even to this day, look forward to to going to the Dolphin Park Tournament. But like I said, yeah, it was just that feeder tournament to the junior high that, you know, exposed me to some other guys that would end up being my teammates for the next five years. And, yeah, I just played and imitate, played dunk ball at, you know, elementary schools, which was huge. <laughs> Just in terms of, you know, developing other skills, right? And I always thought I was, yeah. you know, Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma. I remember Corbs. Corbs, did he, did he get that question wrong on the trivia episode? Uh, Ooh. No. I remember I mixed up. This is a true point guard you're dealing with, man. He remembered the trivia. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. just did. He's it was probably going to catch me, too. <laughs> but grade six, seven, it was all, and it, you know, it continued, but it was all about kind of imitating, and not imitating, but copying what you saw other guys do. So for the dunk ball, it was just like, you know, I always thought I was, you know, Larry Johnson, you know, from UNLV, just big bulky guy, just performing different moves, slapping the backboard on the eight foot hoop, thinking, you know, you're the guy, but... Yeah, the dunk did you ask, ball. Did you ever was, ask your mom if you could get a gold tooth or no? No. She would have just no. kissed her teeth and <laughs> looked away. <laughs> but uh, no, but those years were interesting because, and I was trying to figure out the dates. Um, like I said, I played with a Dom uh, Zimmerman on the BC Summer Games team. I think we we're around grade eight. Um, but then there was a, another kind of the start of club. Uh, there's a club team called Campus Life, um, and I think, you know, that really got me hungry. That was, you know, because I ended up getting cut from that team. And, mm. you know, looking back, I'm like, I may have been bad back then. Like, <laughs> Lucky would show me some video, and I remember going to the free throw, free throw line in one of the clips, and you looked at my routine, you'd think I was like a... 95% free throw shooter. <laughs> and then I shot it top right hand corner of the backboard. Boom. No no rim, nothing. And I, I don't remember it at all, but I, it was on video. And I wanted to say that it was another black guy, but there weren't other any there weren't any other black guys in Richmond really who played basketball. So it had to have been me. So I was like, okay, well let's see the second free throw. Same routine, look good, boom. Exact same spot top right angle. What? I was like, what? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was saying. And I just ran back on defense like it was normal. So I don't know what happened. Maybe it was, you know, right before that club team that I had that game and that club coach watched that game and said, we don't have a spot for you this year. But 
uh, <laughs> yeah, that was one of the, that was probably my first club team experience. Um, mm-hmm. But then there was this overnight camp uh, at AIA. Um, oh right, which was which was awesome. Like to this day, I remember uh, Prentice Lens and Dave Classen. And uh, whenever I see Dave Classen these days, you know it's it's uh, it takes me back to you know that AIA overnight camp because uh, it was just so much fun. And I think Prentice Lens was at SFU maybe at that point, but they just showed a lot of love and. Uh, made me love the game even more and made me even that much mm-hmm. hungrier. It's crazy because I think I was back in BC recruiting last year and I went to club practice and Prentice Lenz's daughter was on, on the team yeah. practicing and I was just like, holy cow, I'm old. Like, this is yeah, crazy. Yeah. I was just coming back around and so, uh, and yeah, that nice camp. Too. Yeah, oh yeah. His daughters uh, were I, good, man. I only saw one, and I know I know he has a few kids, um, mm. but uh, yeah, I only saw the one play, and I was pretty impressed. And I heard that there were others that were just as good. Um, I don't think it was the oldest one. I think the oldest one had maybe already gone down to the states or something like that. But okay. um, yeah, that AIA camp was was again, and these are all things that just you know, made, made me hungry and made me continue to, to love the game. Grade nine, mm-hmm. uh, my memory there, I, and again, I was at London Junior Secondary at that point, and mm-hmm. we went to the Emerald Classic um, at VC, and, you know, our best player on the team was suspended. I wasn't the best player on the team, by no means. Our best player was suspended for who knows what. Um, second best player, I think, was at a soccer tournament. And then it was me and the rest of the team. And, like, heading into that tournament, I was like, huh, okay, I might have to pick it up a little bit here. And for me, that was kind of my coming out, coming out party. I think, I think I had a career high in one of the games with 35, another game with, I don't know what it was, 25. But for me, at that age, that was probably 20 points higher than my average um, but it we ended up finishing six in that tournament and that was the MVP it was pretty crazy oh, no way um, but yeah it was uh, it's the emerald you know they've got good teams at it too right so well we didn't see any of them because <laughs> we were on the B side or whatever but um, playing at 9 a.m. every day yeah yeah they were they were early mornings but it was it was great to just have that opportunity to just play free right which uh you know i never really had the opportunity to do before because like i said our best player was suspended and our second best player was at soccer so you know that grade nine grade 10 and my coach at that point was jim allison who um he was a phys ed guy ended up being an administrator in the school division for years and years i think he still is um he was a hockey guy not much of a basketball guy but sport is sport all advantages disadvantages he knew when we were sucking and and when we could be doing better and he just let us know that (laughs) we we needed to step (laughs) it up so um yeah having uh, him around and he was like i said big hockey guy his son played hockey at the post-secondary level his daughter actually played at ubc okanagan and i think at heritage woods she had a pretty good uh, cis u sport career 
so yeah and then those summers um you know just going to dolphin park you know ride our bikes there in the morning play till lunchtime you know disappear for a few hours and go back for evening runs you know that's where i connected with mavis and a lot of those kind of richmond guys on that side of town which was which was awesome and then you know i start seeing disbo around at dolphin park and when it was raining we could go play at richmond high but the uh yeah those summers or spring spring summers it was all about team excel um that's right which was so you played team excel hey yeah i played two years with yeah. team excel which was it was awesome like you know, going to tournaments down in Phoenix and across the border into Seattle and, you know, playing with Maeve and Bobby Singh and uh, Dunner and, you know, all those guys, you know, it's kind of like our Richmond All-Star League. These are all guys that we played at Dolphin Park with, and it's kind of like that was the next step, um, you know, in terms of branching out and playing outside of playing outside of the city. Yeah. And this is a question that I've always wanted to ask you was, so then why get to grade 10 or whatever? Um, why? And like, don't get defensive or whatever, but why not Richmond High? Why'd you stay at Steveson? I know you had a great run and you guys made the Agrodome and, and it, like it was, a, but it was a time where, you know, it was kind of like the Colts for the Colts. And, you know, they had some guys that maybe, you know, transferred or went to different places, but like, and Maeve even mentioned it. He, he even, you know, kind of su subtly dropped. He said, you know, we wish we had Nov come over or whatever in in the podcast. But why did you, what was it? Was it a loyalty? Did you, was it just because your parents were like, you're not going? Like, I've always just wondered. Oh, oh. Why? I tried. I sent in a cross oh, okay. boundary. I sent in a cross yep. boundary to go to Richmond. Um, mm -hmm. I think the reason at the time was for German. And uh, I think I put that down. Hey, and it would have worked out because I ended up playing a couple years. Get off Austria, for you, man! Right? Yeah. But uh, it was like the Kembe Matumbo. They denied it, rejected. Really? Yeah. So they wow. said, "Yeah, just wave the finger," and said, uh, "No, denied." Matumbo. <laughs> Gave me the Matumbo. <laughs> we will get to inform you, but. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> That's my Takemi Natumbo impression. That was good. It was good. Not bad over via via web. That's solid. Um, yeah. And then, no, and so like I said, I, like yeah. go ahead. Sorry. And it's not like you went back to a bunch of scraps, right? You didn't go back to a bunch of scraps. Like you guys, when you were in high school, had solid teams. And and looking back on it too, maybe it was a good thing because it probably helped you just flourish and blossom. Not that you wouldn't have excelled at Richmond or whatever, but you know, it's sometimes maybe, maybe more leadership skills came out, maybe more pressure on you to kind of be that guy came out. Um, but who knows, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the thing. Who knows? Like, yeah. you know, I, I played with Maeve quite a bit, whether it be the team Excel uh, on the under 22 national team or on the U19s, you know, like we played a lot. So, you know, I really wanted to, <clears throat> my voice is breaking up here. Um, obviously. Did Corbin steal the microphone? From <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a soft spot. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is, it, it is what it is. Like, and I had yeah. a great bunch of like, great bunch of teammates at Steeston, like loved them. Like we, 
played a lot of games together. Um, you Shout know, out Mike and it McDonald. was Mike McDonald, Citrac, Rodinian, Steve Lee. Like those guys, they were they were perfect. Like I could dish dish to them, and they would finish. Like Citrac had yeah. amazing hands. Mike McDonald had amazing hands. Um, and you know what? It made for great battles in in the city of Richmond, like the Richmond Steeston game. I was going to ask you, man. So I was going to ask you, were, what were those games like? Oh, like, ah, uh, oh, man. Uh, especially, especially that year, my grade twelve year, because mm-hmm. they had, they had, like I said, they had May, they had Bobby Singh, who was an incredible athlete, Chris you Lake, know, great mind, yeah, Chris Lake, and. Um, but gosh, those games, standing room only, gym would be hot, just hot, mm. like packed. <laughs> uh, don't let the fire marshal in, like, and you know, it was just even to this day because they had this warm up song by Boston, uh, yeah. I think it was called Long Time, and yeah. we had we had a song called Mama Let That Boy. Um, play some rock and roll and that by Jerry Doucette. Whenever I hear those songs to this day, I get chills, goosebumps, yeah, just yeah. because I associate those songs with those games. And man, yeah, like if you couldn't dunk, you could dunk in those games because you're just so fired up. And yeah, uh, yeah just just great battles and um, or at least uh, or at least offer an amazing like backboard slap layup, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, if you can yeah. <laughs> I guess. But and then um, <laughs> So then during your senior years, you know, you played on you play on the provincial team, you're getting lots of exposure, you're going down to the states. Um, did you know at a certain point that you wanted to move on with basketball or like when did you know all right, like I if a coach starts to talk to me, I'm, I'm kind of interested in it. Uh, I don't know. Like I was, it probably wasn't until grade 12, like grade 11 was, we had another good team. Like a lot of people didn't know that we were ranked number two for about a week. <laughs> we had the rank mm-hmm. number ranked. Uh, I think we were ranked number two behind SMU, which had Nash at the time. Um, that number yeah. two ranking was probably our downfall. Cause there were some tough teams, as you know, um, back mm-hmm. then with VC, they were stacked. Uh, Pitt was stacked. SMU was stacked. But we were ranked number number two. And then I think our best score uh, ended up blowing out his ankle and um, kind of hurt us the rest of the way because he was huge for us. But our grade 12 year, um, I think we are ranked top five to eight all year. Great battles, like I said, with Richmond. Um Played Terry Fox, I think, at our place at our home tournament. Lost to them mm. by a couple, I think, in, in the final. But it probably wasn't until our grade 12 year. Um, I think I got a letter from an NEI school, NEI school in Indiana. Can't even remember the name of it. And at that point, I was too young. I wasn't ready to to go away. Like, I'm a December baby, yeah. mom, mama's boy, so I wasn't wasn't ready to go that could have been some small town in iraq for all i know like i wasn't going (laughs) so and at the time it was just the three majors you know or the three universities in the province uvic ubc and sfu and 
to get in academically was pretty competitive. Um, took a visit to UVic, uh, which was interesting for a visit. Um, didn't feel like that was the right place for me to go. And so I wanted to stay on the mainland. And I think it was pretty late in the process. Kev uh, was at Langara and I talked to him. And I think I talked to Beastra. What's his name at uh, Douglas? He coached you, I think. Beasley? At Lang. Beasley, Beasley, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Beasley. So I went for dinner with both those guys and then ended up deciding to go to Lang and played one one year there uh before before going on to sfu but it was who's you heard that, about guys who was on that team again which team the langara, Your, uh, langara team the barnes and uh barnaby uh navi joined us after christmas uh, mm. uh greg anthony not greg anthony yep is Matt it greg anthony, anthony? Matt Anthony, yeah. I'm like, that didn't yeah. sound right. Matt Anthony and uh, Greg Anthony and from Lashford. UNLV came to Langara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for just for a semester, you needed to upgrade. Um, Simon Or Ewing was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Patrick. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun experience. We had a lot of time, uh, a lot of laughs with with you know how Anthony is and Latchford is. Those guys are always pretty entertaining. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think you. St- yeah, I think it wasn't until my grade twelve year, and then that summer was under nineteens Canada Games in Kamloops. Um, that was like my first exposure to some you know tall guys. Like Ontario had Newton and Garashi, and another guy that went to I think South Carolina. They were just massive. So great um, that, like seven feet goes to do yeah uh yeah. he goes to montana state no he goes montana. he went to uh Ni- niagara i think or niagara or canisius one of the oh, two did he? and then oh, transferred okay. to to sfu but they were big oh. but they weren't even i think it was quebec they were super tough um nash was with us but he was exhausted like he had already played with the senior men's team that summer the student team that summer and then he was playing for us, I think, late in the summer. So he was gassed. And, you know, when you're that age, you just want to have a little bit of a summer. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there, were, there were bright spots with him, obviously. But you could tell that he was he was running on fumes, understandably so. Second year of under-19s was crazy. Uh, Maeve was talking about that team a little bit. Um, and that was with Morgs and Rammer. Um, Mephim, Eichenberger, Navi, Brett Anderson, just Gerald Cole, Dumont. <laughs> and I tell you what, like Dumont was a beast that tournament. Morgan was a beast. Rammer was a beast. Like we played uh, McGlure, who was, I think, 16 at that time. And Rammer and, and Morgan just took turns just giving it to him like dunks blocks dunks blocks and then dumont's hitting fadeaways and dunking and like it was and it's all fresh to me because i was looking at some old clips to provide the uh richmond uh, sports hall of fame committee with 
And I was just mm. like, wow, that team. And then, like, we, I think we won every game by an average of 25. Really? Yeah. And that was uh, Coach Clark and uh, Langley were the coaches. And, you know, they gave yeah. us some structure. And it was just weapons everywhere and depth. And, yeah, it was that, – that team was tight-knit team. And we just – we were on a mission and – guys just balled it was awesome that's cool we haven't had one person who's had the experience to play at the u19 level that hasn't said like it that was close to their one of their most favorite summers like playing ball right and that just how fun the u19 experience actually was that's cool man um and then you know first year at lang you're you're an all-star and then you have a great year did you guys make the national final no man, uh, no. Douglas was okay. stacked. Douglas had a bunch of grown men at that oh, point. Right. Like I think it was Vernop. Right. He was in his fifth year, and uh, I don't know who else. Uh, maybe Tony Pomonas. He might have been there. Right. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember who was maybe. there. Yeah, they were good, and Simpson had a good squad out at Mel. Right. So they were really tough. Um, and that's, it's like, you know, that's a grown, all the leagues are grown man leagues, right? If you don't have overagers mm. or guys that are older, it's going to be tough. Mm. And, you know, for most of that yeah. season, I was 17 years old, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was, it was tough to physically battle, but, you know, and the travel you're not quite used to, but, you know, we made a go out of it and, uh, you know, a lot of great learnings with, with Kev there at Langara. Yeah. And then how, how and why did you decide to end up at SFU after that? Obviously, you got your grades kind of up to a place where, you know, you could get some more looks. And then, you know, why did you decide to to go up the hill, up Burnaby Mountain? That's a good, well, probably because I knew, you know, Jay, Jay's a good recruiter, <laughs> you know. And I knew Rammer was up there, so that was appealing to me to, to play with him. You know, obviously being on full scholarship kind of played into it a little bit. And at that point, they were getting the best guys in Canada, you know, because that was kind of the only option for full-ride scholarships was, was SFU at the time. So uh, that was big for me. And it, it had the program that I wanted academically. And it wasn't mm -hmm. straightforward. Like after I was done at Langara, I think I had to take two more summer classes to still get into SFU and then get, I think, Bs or B pluses or higher in them in order to transfer, transfer in. Made the grades, got the courses, ended up playing there uh, for Triano for one year, and then he left for the for the Grizzlies. And then yep. Scott Clark came in for the for the next two years. Somewhere in there, I played for the under twenty two team. Um, with Todd McCullough and Heinrichsen and Dumont and Maga, um, which was which was great. You know, it's just great opportunity traveling down to Puerto Rico and Panama and just seeing and playing down there. Like, which is you know, thinking back, it's pretty crazy, especially <laughs> to do it with someone who I grew up playing with since I was probably you know fourteen years and in Mavis and yeah, just, just a great experience with that under 22 team. But yeah, SFU was all American competition, quite like how it is now. 
Um, yeah. We always had a tough preseason schedule playing Division One schools and Kenny Thomas from New Mexico, uh, their mm-hmm. home opener, 20,000 people. I think preseason they were ranked, I don't know, maybe 15 or 12 or something like that, which was fun. A lot of, didn't, you know. Didn't they have some, like, crazy home winning streak too? Like, they just hadn't lost in, like, <laughs> however many games and you guys had to go down to the pit and play them? It's like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably. Like, that stuff, yeah. you heard it, but it just didn't phase you back then. You just knew that you had to, yeah. you know, go out and play, and then yeah. it was going to be a great, crazy environment. You're going to run out. Teams are going to boo you. You're going to hear the marching band. You're going to smell the popcorn. You're going to see the yeah. boosters, you know, looking at you like the Klansmen. What? No, Bell <laughs> Thomas, why do you play for the Klansmen? Just, uh, just crazy heckling. And yeah, I heard they're changing the name, too, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, do you feel like your time, do you, sorry to cut you off. Do you feel like your time at SFU, obviously, you know, I mean, the thing that I always talk about is like, you broke the assist record in three years, you know, you're an honorable mention, all Canadian, you're a captain. Um, and that's just not captain. Isn't just something that's just handed to the point guard, right? Like it's, it, it's an, it's an honor. Um, and do you feel like that's just where your game just really flourished and, and started you just kind of took off from there was it a combination of the guys that you were with was it your own mental toughness just talk a little bit more about that time there because you did some special things in 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 three years you didn't even get that fourth year right and you're obviously a humble dude so you're just gonna be like yeah you know i played in puerto rico and i kind of broke an assist record but you know when you look back into the history books right like you you crushed it you were dominant and i remember I was at Langara, we would come up and do a scrimmage or whatever. And it was like, all right, let's try not to like get murdered. And, but you know, and, and obviously I spent a lot of time up on the Hill watching you guys play as well. Cause I was friends with a bunch of you and I know in your, in your dorms, like I was almost like a manager slash college player. So like, is that where you started to really be like, okay, like I'm, I'm legit. Or did, did you cross your mind? Did you just go to work every day? Just went to work. You didn't think about any of that stuff because you didn't see yeah. it, right? It's not like stuff mm. is posted on social media or there are these player rankings. You know, I saw this mm-hmm. weird rank. I don't even know how I came across it. Maybe I want to say that Nash pulled it out at some barbecue in Richmond when he was in there and he said, Oh, I didn't even know you're on the depth chart for Canada basketball. And I think it was some card that he, he had where I was, you know, on some point guard depth chart. And I was like, neither did I, right? Because you just, you don't think about those things. And mom always, you know, my mom was always just like, you know, you just got to be better than the rest. You just got to be better, like, in everything you do. And I think, you know, just due to the color of my skin, I think that's where she was getting at. It wasn't so much about sports but it was just like you know you got to be better academically you got to do this so you know at SFU it you know it's a tough academic school and you know I wasn't stellar but I got better academically each year and obviously graduated um did they have the rule you had to get a certain GPA still like for even athletes to stay eligible or was it just yeah they still had that and it got me for a second and then I had to take summer courses (laughs) and upgrade um, but again, mm-hmm. you just, you just, if you want it bad enough, you got to figure out a way to, to get it, get it done. But, 
Yeah, it was, it was just, you just pulled up your socks and, and you did it. And, you know, somebody once told me, uh, I think it was our manager at Langara. She's just like, you know, think about you is that, you know, when it's time to party and you know, when it's time to, to get serious. And, um, you know, it's something that I was just like, huh, I didn't realize that, but you know, it's, I just wanted always to be prepared, whether it was to join Canada on their under-22 team or, you know, whatever whatever it was. I just always wanted to be prepared and uh, be able to bring my, my best foot forward. But SFU was, was great just in terms of the career opportunities that kind of, I didn't know at the time, but, you know, career opportunities that came from my time at SFU and just all the people and the connections, Allison McNeil, Mike McNeil, obviously Jay Triano. And um, yeah, it's just to have gone somewhere else. I just, you know, that's one thing where it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I went, I made the right decision going there. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that story about your mom. That's, I'm not going to use the term cool, but like, thank you for sharing that. I think it's, you know, we kind of just, you know, especially out on the West Coast, where there's a lot of white boys playing ball, right? And for you, and like you mentioned already, and that you know, you made a joke of it, but like shooting the free throw would be like, that's got to be someone else in the court. It's like, no, there's no other, uh, there's no other black dudes out here. So it's me. But I also think maybe that brick free throw was you're just practicing, you know, throwing lobs to big men. Like you were already thinking like a point guard down the road. So exactly. Throw it to the corner of the board, right? Yeah. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. This is what I can do. I could throw it up to the corner <laughs> of the backboard. No. <laughs> All right. And this is where things kind of get fun. Like, you know, you, you you play in the U22 team. You have some great experiences, a, an amazing run with SFU. Um, and then what? Like, there's this, in terms of, like, playing, and this is where your story, where not many people who, people who don't know you wouldn't know about this. So just talk about after finishing at SFU, like, where things went and why they went that way for you and what your choices were from there. Yeah. So after I finished my eligibility, I had one more year. So I ended up being a graduate assistant um, and got into coaching while I was a graduate assistant. I worked kind of part-time with a video game company um, called radical entertainment uh, developing a basketball game. So you know, that came about from, again, my time at SFU when uh, EA Sports used to hire the men's basketball team to help them develop NBA Live. So I think Jay was talking about that on his podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah. very, very similar. They used to just, and it was funny because he mentioned 10000 bucks, but I was just like, hey, we didn't see any of that 10000 bucks. But uh, what EA Sports did, what EA Sports did was, uh, you know, they said, "Yeah, we need you to come play." I think it was NBA Live '96 or '97 at the time. I can't remember which one it was, but they would just uh, throw us in a room, say, "Play this game. Here's a piece of paper. Write down what's good, what's bad, what's not realistic, and pizza will be here in an hour." And we're like, "Yes, this is awesome." So we did that a few times and then, uh, you know, thought we were the, you know what, just, hey, we were at EA Sports. They gave us pizza to play this game for five hours in this tiny room where it was 35 degrees. 
but you know, when you're, when you're that age and you're doing something that nobody else in the world is doing, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And then, uh, again, we, we ended up moving into motion capture the next couple of years after that, me and Sean O'Brien, um, you know, we'd have 20 days of work in the summer and do all the motion capture moves, which is our first for video games. And those were incredible days, an incredible job, just catered meals and call times. And we thought we were, you know, Hollywood actors basically making eight bucks an hour. The second year, I think (laughs) the second year, I think we, we made 10 bucks an hour and it was hard work, like diving for loose balls, like borderline stunt work. And, you know, we're leaving there with bruises and, you know, tendonitis starting to kick in and all that sort of stuff. But they were hard, hard days. Nowadays, the motion capture talent, they're making like $1,500 a day. It's times have definitely changed. But yeah, those experiences at SFU with EA Sports kind of allowed me to transition to the working world as soon as I graduated. So when I was a graduate assistant, I was part time. And then when I graduated, they offered me a full time position there. And, you know, I was working, I was making money and, um, you know, 23 years, 22, 23 years old. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was great. You know, I was working for EA Sports, uh, probably a year or two after originally going to Radical Entertainment. EA Sports called me up and said they, you know, offered me a job there. So I left Radical and went to EA Sports. And then it was just work and men's league soccer, men's league basketball, men's league hockey, sometimes all three on a Sunday. Um, I was definitely a weekend warrior. And at that time, I went into coaching. I was coaching at Easton High School, coaching the senior boys there for three years. Um, you know, it was a family friend. Uh Stoddards. They've got three boys, the oldest boys my age, and then there's two younger ones. The middle one ended up playing football at the U of A and for the Bombers for a long time. And their youngest son, uh, David, they needed a coach at Steveson. And I think I saw them at a garage sale, and they're like, what are you doing? Do you want a coach? And I was like, hmm, never thought about that. And it was a great opportunity to, to get involved and start giving back. Were you at someone else's garage sale or were you hosting it come on man you know my dad (laughs) that's what i wanted to get (laughs) he doesn't want to sell anything and in fairness to him his generation they don't want to you know it's hard enough to accumulate stuff so when it comes to getting rid of it you know he probably if it was at his house he would just chase down the person and buy it back from them and then hide it in the yard somewhere but no, it was, uh, I think it was a garage sale somewhere else and it came up and you know what, that was, it was, it was great. Cause it was kind of the start of my head coaching. You know, I had been a graduate assistant. Like I said, I was, uh, uh, for basketball, BC, U 17s, what is it called? Apprentice coach. I was an apprentice coach. Yep. And then this was my opportunity to be a head coach, which was, which was awesome. You know, I thought I'd only do it for a couple of years and then ended up doing it for three years. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. 
The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. The Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. For those that don't know, the Thomas family knows dad and their their house and yard is like immaculate. Like their garden is phenomenal. And the best part was like, even in like, oh, one knows dad still rocking like his nose, you 17, like, <laughs> jacket. But like, you know, you know, no, I was you know, 19. I didn't play about. 17. I was you 19. Yeah. I didn't play, uh, 19. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The white with yeah. the blue. Yeah. Riding his bike down the Stevenson wharf with his bucket hat on, like just the best yeah. man. Um, no, a different one. <laughs> um, okay, so when you're finishing at SFU and they offer you that that position just to kind of help, do you see yourself as a coach then? Or is it like, well, I'm, I'm going to be around the campus anyways. I still have the hunger for basketball and the competitive spirit. Or was it like, yeah, this is this is something that I'll build off of? Or how did how did the coaching grow for you? Yeah, I don't think it was anything that I figured I would grow from. Like I was mm-hmm. up there, um, you know, Rammer still my roommate. He was on the team. I had to finish off my degree. I think coach Clark just said, you want to help out? And I was just like, I'm going to be up there anyways. So might as well help out. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think, I don't remember thinking that I would coach, yeah. uh, or continue to coach at that point. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be in sport administration and i mm-hmm. had a hunch that it would be through coaching right mm-hmm. so serve as a coach become an athletic director or at least develop kind of some of the relevant skills that way but yeah. you know had i said that my dream was going to be a youth sport coach or cis coach i don't i don't think that was crossing my mind at that at that point yeah, it's funny how life is, man. And that's the part yeah. I was talking about is like you look at it, it's like, you know, we'll talk about the kind of the gap in your coaching, but like 98 to 01 Steveston, 0102 Langara, Fleetwood Women, 0506, Steveston London, Junior Boys, Burnett, Senior Boys. Like you just jumped around and coached and did whatever you could to give back, which I think is cool. But um, I'll never forget 2001, I get home to Nanaimo where my parents are retired and 
get a phone call from Teresa Hansen, the athletic director at Langara. And she says, uh, you're going to get a call from uh, Nove. I'd like to you to just really think about it. And two seconds later, because my parents were too cheap to get me two lines. So we had one line. So you just get a busy signal. And Nove says, uh, do you want to come help me coach at Langara? And I said, well, oh, yeah. Had a gap year, right? I was, I finished my, I think I finished my first degree and I couldn't go back to do education until September. And it was like, it was Christmas, right? And yeah, you, you said, you know, you can, I, you can come live with me. I got a room for you, you know, whatever. And then we both went over and coached Langara, man. That was like, those are wild times, man, to think about that. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it really is kind of funny when you look back on it, right? Like, yeah, it, it was. And the reason I was back because I think at that point I had already, um, well, to take a step back is kind of, that's when I started to want to play again. Right. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah, this is where, like, I'm, I'm like at the comeback season. S Z N comeback season. Like, I'm there. Yeah. Every day, not, not, not training with you, but I'm sitting on the couch when. <laughs> when I returned going from to the training. Gri- yeah, or yeah, when you returned, or like the a couple odd times I would go to the Grizzlies facility to see what you guys would do. But yeah, like that's my pocket of time is there, right? So it's like, you take the Langara job, and then. You know, we had a great team. It was a great group of guys. And I know we felt like, man, if we could have just had those guys from the start of the year. Um, but for me personally, too, it was awesome to get it like at a young age. I was 24, I think, or 20, no, 22, like to get an opportunity to like be exposed to that level of basketball as well. Right. It was like, man, this is this is great. And um, but it was like we literally hit the wall, hit the floor running. Right. Like it was like, here we go. We have five we think we had like five or six weeks a season and we were right into playoffs you know so it was a it was a crazy time and within that when when and why do you start to think to yourself like you know what i want to i want to get back at it and what are the what's the motivation behind it is it something that you just you is it something that's keeping you up at night that you're like i haven't fulfilled that or check that box and that's going to haunt me if i don't try it or what was the motivation because when your last year at length or at sfu is 97 right Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And we fast forward, fast forward, say four years, say like four, four and a half years. And you're yeah. like, I think I want to get back into basketball. Like what? Right. That doesn't happen for a lot of people, man. And at a really, really high level, you know? Yeah, no, it was, uh, so that would have been probably towards the end, the August before we started to coach at Langara. That's when I think it started. Um, I have a buddy, you know, my buddy, uh, I have a buddy, and he, he used to say, you got to go out for the national team. You got to go out. Like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. Go out for the national He used to always tell me that. Then I went out for dinner yeah. with uh, Garashi, Obes, and somebody else. I don't know if it was Dinny or Swordsy. I don't know why mm-hmm. Swordsy would be in Vancouver, but I think it was after one of their national team summers. And it just came up at the dinner table. And they're just like, why don't you go out for the national team and and i was just like "Ah, i don't know but the (laughs) but the spring the spring before that so let's say that was august like that summer Mm -hmm. spring i went to a basketball tournament in mexico uh with a bunch of guys from from bc and we had a couple practices before we went down and we got down there and it was a tournament. Like there were some good players in that tournament. There were crowds and we were playing for a purpose. And I was just like, man, I miss playing 
like for a purpose, you know, and playing yeah. with something on the line. So it was a combination of that trip to Mexico, you know, the dinner in Gastown, my good buddy always being in my ear. And, and so we left that dinner and, you know, Obes was just like, and me, gonna, and me, and, and it was me. It was a combination of me as well. Like, obviously, you weren't in my life my, yet. My impact of my impact. Like, I mean, you didn't know it, but I was going to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not laughing because every podcast you say that it's not about you, but it always comes back to you. <laughs> Got <he. laughs> In this podcast. Anyways, Anyways, thanks for listening yeah. to uh, Hoop's Journey. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, please check out our spot. <laughs> but yeah, no, I and I think uh, Obes Obes was just, he's a great great mentor. Always looked up to him. He's just like he got. Why not? What do you have to lose? I think he gave Triano the heads up that I was going to call him, um, and I reached out to Jay and told him, you know, I was going to take a leave from EA and. Uh, I wanted to try out, and he's just like, okay, well, you're going to have to go to the regional camp in BC, and if you make that, you're going to have to go to the main camp in Toronto, and if you make that, you're going to have to go to the main camp where it's cut down to whatever, 20 guys. So I was like, okay, that's all I, you know, that's all I asked for. So I was working out early mornings at EA, um, training, Ended up getting a CBA trial for the Saskatchewan Hawks. I think I was there right. for maybe three or four weeks. And not, that's bad, when I, not a bad workplace where you have a full court and a weight room, hey? Well, yeah. What I, I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> I think I worked out in, at the Grizzly Center in Richmond because yeah. it was still there. So I would work out yep. there and then just, just go into work uh, after that. But uh, yeah, I went to that CBA camp and man that's whew. like you know when you're working so hard that saliva accumulates in your mouth like at the sides yep. of your mouth i remember yep. one of the guys in the camp looking at me he's like dude you got to wipe your chin it was down to my chin just saliva from just <laughs> busting my butt you know and trying to make this team and um just that's when i got a taste of competing like that was for you know jobs and you know guys that you know that's that's all they had going for them really you know and so that was my first kind of taste of competing and and playing hard and it's unfortunate that it came at that point in my playing career but you know you don't really know how hard you compete until you're kind of put in that type of situation but like I said I ended up getting cut and then you know, it was early December and Teresa Hansen, I think, reached out and asked about coaching and said that she may have a coach and you to help out because that was one of my concerns. And, you know, we did that from, like I said, kind of end of December into January, took the team to the, uh, it would be the Pac West Provincials now and got the bronze medal. And yep. during all of that, I continued to train and work out and, in the spring, we had the regional camps in, uh, at the Grizzly Center. I remember going out there and kind of all these younger bucks looking at me like, what are you doing here? Like all of a sudden on the, <laughs> on the, on the scene trying to make the national team. And you no, know, it was, it was a good experience. Like, 
you know, I, I don't know if it was rumblings during the camp or after the, you know, afterwards that I heard, like, you know, some people second guessing whether I should be there or, you know, so I think uh, that was kind of just more fuel, you know, to fuel on the fire to, you know, prove to myself and prove to others that, you know what, I can make at least get to the national team camp. And with those camps and all the camps, it's like every day I'll get better, which, which I don't know if I do that, but I knew others were going to drop off. So shooters were going to lose their legs. Those guys that didn't train as hard, they were going to kind of, you know, fall to the side, start making dumb decisions. And so I ended up leaving that regional camp and, and making it to the national team camp. Um, continued to work with uh, Johnny Lee in preparation for that national team camp. Shout out to Johnny Lee. Without that guy, none of this would have been happened, uh, would have happened because he just, you know, he was there working us out. Myself, Maeve, Noor, um, Kyle, Russell, and just, you know, he was, he was just awesome. Just, you know, putting us through the ringer. Made it to the national team camp, and that's where Johnny Lee was a strength, you know, training camp at uh, our strength coach at those camps. And so, you know, we knew the dynamic warm up and you know the lunges. And if you're not used to doing those lunges before every workout, you're gonna, you know, your legs are gonna hurt you. But uh, mm-hmm. national team camp happened, and that was a that was a lot of fun because. Playing at SFU used to hear about all the guys back east. Again, there's no YouTube. There's you don't see clips of anybody. Everything's word of mouth. So I remember Maga and Denny always talking about you know certain guys out in Toronto who you know may have gone down to Texas Tech or some other school and and you get a chance to play them and you, you actually hear their name and you're just like I heard that name before and I'm like oh that's you and you know you yeah. You hear about them before you get to play them. And at the national team camp and kind of before, my mindset going in was, and again, credit this to Olds, he's just like, just go and lock guys up. Just go and lock guys up. Defend the crap out of guys. Because realistically, who am I going to beat out? Steve Nash? No. I'm going in to run offense and lock up. That's, That's my job. So he's just like, just that's what you do. Go and do that. So kind of started at the regional camp um, and then at the national team camp, I'll just, I'll just be picking guys up, you know, uh, rip them a few times, you know, run offense, get into stuff. And then at the main camp, it was kind of the same thing. Just, you know, defend the heck out of guys and disrupt and not allow them to, or the opposition point guard to run offense for their team. And that's kind of what I did. And, you know, joining the national team, the goal was to make the Olympics, you know, especially after Mm -hmm. seeing good friend Mavis going to the Olympics, Garashi going to the Olympics. Um, That was my goal. That's what I wanted, wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, that first summer at the national team, it was the Worlds. uh, Was that Indianapolis? In Indianapolis, yeah. So um, that was just crazy and uh like you know can we just pause for a sec yeah can we just talk about the moment that you found out that you made it like how nervous you were or like 
did you just feel inside of you like, you know, I've given it my all. I feel like I tried out very well and, and whatever they decide, they decide. And just talk about, did you have a reflection or did you just say, or, or was it that internal, like, I've got to keep going with this. I don't have time to just pause and like, be proud of myself. I've got, I've got work to do still. And, and w- where are you with that at that moment? Well, I, uh, I think I was rated like efficiency rating for the camp was the highest and it might've been high, the highest by a long shot. But again, mm-hmm. like I wasn't out there trying to score uh, I was very reluctant offensively. Like I just wanted to show defensive compete and run offense. And so I mm-hmm. think, and I don't I don't know, I can't remember who told me or how I found out. Um, I want to say that it was Jay, but I really can't remember. What I do remember is going back to my dorm room at Humber College, calling my mom and telling her I made the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. I just called her up and said, mom, I made it. He's like, okay, good. I'm like, is that all you got? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Um, but, uh, no, that's, uh, like I said, I can't remember how I was told. Um, but I remember guys getting pulled aside and being told that they were moving on or whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think I want to say that no news was good news. You know, if you mm-hmm. weren't told by the end of the last practice, if you weren't pulled aside and told, then you were good to go. I think that's kind of how it worked. Um, yeah. I, like it, it was all a blur. Like I didn't really have time to even think about any of that stuff. Um, you know, cause I was just so focused on competing and getting rest and fueling my body and, um, you know, and it started out in BC prior to the camp, like adjusting, going to bed um, earlier so that you're on that time zone. Like all those little things that, you know, I, I felt was super necessary to take care of and do in order to be at my best for those for those training camps. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And then what was the window of time from making it to when the worlds were, was it the same summer or same t- period of time? Did you stay out in Humber and train or was there a gap? So we, we started, um, I think I went out for the main camp, made it, had a few practices, returned to BC. That's when, uh, we practiced at the Grizzlies facility and I think the morning we played China is when it was official. That was the summer where uh, Cuban didn't want Nash to play uh, mm. for us. So we had that big game at China. I don't know how many, yep. 15,000 plus people, which was crazy. Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Oh, man, what an experience. Um, but after mm-hmm. that game, we knew that Steve wasn't going to continue on with us. Um, and it was going to be me and, uh, Titus, uh, on for the, for the world championships. Um, but yeah, that Titus game, that guy could play too. Yeah. He had big mitts and just crafty, yeah. strong. Um, yeah. but yeah, that, that China game, I played, I think a minute, but man, that was the best minute of my life. Just, you know, <laughs> being on that team, seeing all friends and family that just basically, grew up watching me and cheering me on, you know, looking in the stands to see one person, to see another person, 
see my junior high coach with his kids, um, taking pictures with them. Like that was just, that was, I don't want to say it was the icing on the cake, but that was just like awesome. You know, just an awesome experience. Special too, right? Because it wasn't a time where, and Canada basketball, I don't mean still has a ton of money, but like, a lot of things for the national team didn't happen out here. A lot of times, you know, like you're, you had a tryout here, but there weren't a lot of times or experiences where we got as a, you know, as a province to have the national team come and play a game like that. So it was huge. Right. And, um, to play in Rogers arena and like, like you say, 15,000, I remember it was so loud too. It was crazy. And obviously, you know, we have a huge Asian population here. So it was like, it was a crazy environment. Like it was a, it was so fun. And, yeah, what a cool moment. And then w- what were the world championships like when you finally got to go and, you know, you're playing against different countries and, and then just seeing different levels of ball? How was that? Eye-opening. You know, you, you, like I didn't mm-hmm. know all the names. Like we'd be going through scouting reports of guys, you know, Rowan would know who they are. You know, those those vets would know all those guys, but I didn't know who any of those guys were and, you know, their strengths and weaknesses, who the shooters were. But, you know, I remember playing Argentina and, man, just they had Scola and Ginobili, um, like feisty, aggressive point guards. And, and the way they played, just my head was spinning. No word of a lie. Just like their pace to play, their cuts. And at that point, you don't know what's an important cut. You don't know what's an attacking dribble just because you haven't experienced it or seen it enough. But uh, like I said, just like the national team camps, I felt as though I got better and better and better as the tournaments went on and I saw more and experienced more. And that was kind of my end of, you know, end of the, I guess, national team summer exit meeting kind of comment from Jay was that you got better and better and better and better as the summer went on. And a lot of guys, that's not the case. And so, you know, that was awesome to hear. And, you know, we all know that Jay's kind of a player's coach and, you know, that kind of fueled me to, you know, continue to train, train hard and uh, get better for the next summer. So my, my second summer was Olympic qualifier year. And prior to that, I played in this XBA, it's called the Extreme Basketball Association, kind of in, you know, small town, USA, there are teams in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. And again, it was just like one of the assistant coaches for the national team. When I I rejoined the team the the next summer, he's just like, how did that jail league go? Because... (laughs) Because really, it's it's a lot of rough dudes, like a lot of rough guys that may have had great careers and then made a dumb decision in college. And so now they couldn't continue on playing, but they're trying to get overseas or something along those lines. But, you know, those were, again, just situations where it's just, I wouldn't say they're G League level guys, but... Imagine the 11th, 12th guys on G League teams, you know, those types of guys were in this, in this league. So, um, but yeah, it was, it made a huge difference for me confidence wise, 
going into the national team camp the second year. I remember uh, Rowan just giving me a look like we're on the same team for one of the scrimmages. And he just gave me this look, nodded his head and, you know, patted me on the back. He's just like, do your thing, young fella. And I'm like, I'm not that young. Don't be fooled. I'm old. <laughs> you know, I'm only four years younger than you. I just took a pause on the career for a bit. But hearing that and, um, you know, just being a part of it a second year, you just develop that comfort. And like, you know, I wish I had started earlier and had, you know, four years under my belt because, mm-hmm. you know, those games when things are spinning and, and are going miles, a uh, hundred miles per hour, you know, over time it starts to slow down. Right. And you right. can start to make plays and you can start to see openings a little bit more. Um, but yeah, those, those were the two years that I played on the national team and, did you get a chance to play? Didn't you? Get, did you go to the Vegas Summer League? Is that not right? Yeah, we went to the yeah. um, LA Summer League at Long Beach um, State University. I can't remember if that was the first year or the second year, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was fun too. We played the Grizzlies kind of summer league team, coached by uh, Hubie Brown. And I think at that point they were pressing, right? So when they were, <laughs> and man, I was, uh, I think I had seven turnovers in like seven minutes that game. They, cause they're just so long, you know, NBA freaks, they're freaks. Let's yeah. be honest. Those guys are big and they can move and they're pressing and we don't have a, you don't have a press break, right? Going into that. Cause you don't expect to need one, but they were sending double teams and, you know, at that point, I went away from that. Just like you need to be a little bit more herky jerky. You need to get faster. You need to do a lot of things. Like, just it was it was definitely eye opening. We played the Lakers, um, which is a lot of fun. They had uh, Kareem's son on that team. Um, Pargo is that his name? Pargo, remember him? Yeah, I think he played at Arkansas or something like that. He was playing on that team. He was good. Um, but I remember playing that Lakers game. Just you know, I grew up watching that team and uh, enjoying w- watching them. I think I've got ripped Kareem's son once, but um, yeah, did you those try to steal were... a reversible? Did I? Yeah. Oh uh, no, I didn't. Swap jerseys after the game, like LeBron and D Wade, or something. No, that we weren't ready for that yet. <laughs> we were still yeah. a little bit more old school um, yeah, back yeah. then. Like, the swapping of jerseys guys, wasn't a thing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was the only summer league uh, experience with with the national team. But after that, yeah, I just after so, so that summer were the Olympic qualifiers in Puerto Rico and the Pan Am Games. Um, we didn't qualify for the 2004 Olympics. And so at that point, um, you know, I was, I, I thought that I was done. Uh, yeah. well, I ended up being done. Like I didn't go back out for the national team, but at the end of those mm-hmm. summers, holy cow, just like how burnt out, um, I was like, you know, you spend the entire summer trying to make the team. And then once you're on the team, it's just, you know, you're just, you're just trying to keep up. And that was yeah. like, at the end of that summer, I remember just, 
and I had to go, that's when I signed with a team in Austria and I had to go out there and like, I just remember being so burnt out, just sit on the couch. I would play Madden until three o'clock in the morning, listening to sports talk radio out in like New York and just a zombie (laughs) on the couch. Like just because it was such an intense, intense summer. I remember Maeve talking about like um, making the qualifier and then qualifying and being worried about like not being able to make it. You know what I mean? And it's just con- the, kind of this because there's so much there's so much gap in time. And then like you're talking about, like the pocket of time is so short and intense. It's just like until you step away, you don't even realize how bad your wheels are spinning, you know? Yeah. And I never I never thought worst case scenario. Because right. I knew how I was playing. I knew how my teams were doing in practices. And then, like I said, I was getting reassurance from the vets, you know. And I spent a lot of time with Roland and Sherman because they were vets. And I'm, even since the beginning, like being around the older guys and just kind of stealing ideas, thoughts, comments, you know, yeah, from them. It just, for me, it just why wouldn't I want to, you know, have lunch with them and just hear their way of thinking, their thoughts, you know, how they treated their professional careers. Like, you know, that was, that was huge. Like I remember, I think we're in, I must've been in LA. I want to say we're in Vegas, but I don't know how we would have gotten to Vegas, but you know, going shopping with Rowan and Sherman and just, you know, I just wanted to be around them all the time all the time. And this is yeah. before RJ was anything. RJ was at our practices and he was like five or six. And yeah, it didn't look like he was going to be playing basketball, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, you know, the next time I heard about him, it was like 15 years later and he was the number one ranked player in the country, but spent a lot of time with those guys. Um, after the national team played, uh, like I said, two seasons in Austria, loved it. Um, met my now wife um, between the two seasons and then uh, called it a career. I knew that the Olympics in Canada was going through some changes. Jay was no longer with the, with the team. A lot of the older guys were, were done. So I was, I was good. I was, you know, went back to BC. Luckily, EA Sports had a position that I applied for and got. And uh, so funny how... You know, I was somehow crossed paths with the Bindra family. And uh, Bira's niece, Harleen Sadu, was in grade 10 at Fleetwood. And they said mm-hmm. that they needed a coach. And, you know, it's hard for me to say no to that Bindra family, right? Because they've just, mm-hmm. they've done so much for me over the years. And and I was like, sure. And so uh, it was great. I just showed up and coached. Um, you know, Sharon Staples, who was there and, uh, Nick was there at the time. And I just, you know, they took care of all the administrative stuff and I just showed up and coached. Um, it was a lot of driving, you know, going from, you know, work in Burnaby to Surrey to Richmond where I was living, but it was a lot of fun. And Harleen was awesome. Um, there were other players on that team that were really good bought into their roles. Um, 
ended up, I think, entering the BCs with that team as the number two seed after winning the Fraser Valleys and upsetting, uh, I think it was Port Moody and uh, Megan Pinsky. Uh, and then we got upset in the first round of, of the Provincials. Um, one of our players got a sprained ankle and our, like our best shooter. And then uh, I remember the play vividly. I think we're playing uh, one of those schools from like Cranberry or Kootenays or somewhere far. No scouting report, right? You just figure you're the, they're the whatever, 15th seed. You should be good to go. And, did you say uh, Cranberry? Did I? I don't know. I may have. But uh, <laughs> did I? Yeah, I think you said cranberry. Well, cranberry, cranbrook. <laughs> it's all good. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, and I've had a few. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was it was a bad play. Like underneath our basket, they shot. Uh, I think it was an air ball. One of their players hustled after it. Great play, whoever the kid is. Great play. Uh, hustled after, threw it back inbounds, kind of just caught by one of their players underneath our basket, and she scored. And it was just like, ugh. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of, that was my, I think that was my only time at the BCs as a as a coach, um, mm-hmm. the high school ranks. But uh, a great experience, met some great people out there. To this day, love seeing Harlene and, you know, Kathy, who was, uh, was one of the team members there. But, yeah, after that, I was up at SFU coaching, um, assisting there with Coach Clark and Gil Chung a couple years. And then the commutes became too much. Took the 9-10 year off. And I didn't want to not coach. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to stay relevant in basketball. And just, I don't know if it was... I don't think it was for selfish reasons, but just felt as though I needed to be involved in the game and coaching. Like, what else are you going to do? You know, watch NBA games every day, every night. So especially given the number of people that, you know, coached me over the years. So I started that same family where I started off my coaching. Uh, Their middle son was now a teacher in the Richmond School Division and He's like, Novi, I'm over my head. You want to help me coach the junior boys? And I was like, for sure. So we did that um, at my alma mater. And then um, I only did them for a year for some reason. Not sure why. Uh, Well, they had a senior coach there. Um, Same senior coach that's there, I think, right now. Mike, is that his name? Mike uh, Mike Stoneberg. Stoneberg, yeah. Shout out to Stoney. Shout out to Stoney. Yeah. Yeah. Go Canucks. I know he loves his Canucks. And yeah. then uh, on to the senior boys <laughs> at Burnett. Um, and kind of a bunch of kids that I didn't really know, but I knew uh, Jason Leslie. He was the principal there. And I think he approached me maybe at a Dolphin Park tournament. I don't know how we crossed paths or where we did. And I knew they had some skilled guys, some talented players, which always helps. It's not always mm-hmm. the case, but um, just great kids that love to ball, love to play. Um, so I uh, coached them for, for a year, and it's interesting because I, I finished coaching them in 2012, and then I received a card at my office. Uh, um, 
here in Brandon from one of the players on that team and he's, it was like a thank you card for coaching him like literally five years earlier and just saying I know it was you know he was saying it's just I know you put in a lot of time and you know I, I don't know if I said thank you back then but I you know just saying thank you now and really appreciate the time and energy you put into us and for me like I remember taking that card home to my wife and just like you know what that's just for me this is like that's what it's about you know and then last 100%. year a last year a kid from that 2010-2011 junior boys team that I coached at Steeston London you know he reached out to me because he was going to start coaching he wanted my opinion on you know coaching and coaching uh, females and you know you know any words of wisdom and all that sort of stuff and so it's 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 crazy how you know how it just kind of unfolds and happens and people figure it out the light bulb goes on so to speak and they realize that hey that person you know helped me out during those years and coached us during those mm -hmm. years and put in all that time and and that sort of stuff so you know to receive those letters and those emails or you know those are those are huge that's cool man and that's what I want to talk about a lot was just, you know, like the pocket of time where you're kind of just all over the place doing so many things for so many different people. And, that you know, the word selfless kind of comes to mind. And also just as a player, you know, I think it's really important for the young players that are listening to. So we've heard so many times over and over, but yours was so unique was this gap of time and you go back to the national team and it's just like, um, I'm willing to just do the things that maybe no one else will, right? And just like, how do I change who I am, but within who I am to just to make this team, right? And what is it that I can do to get minutes on this team? And realizing that your ability was to, you know, play lockdown defense and be a leader and a floor general is huge, right? I think a lot of times, and it's probably no different at a national team tryout. It's like, we think everyone's worried about scoring. It's like, okay, great. But you know, when you're in a national team level and even at a high school level, if we're taking a group of kids on the road, like our last few guys, I want, they want to be, and I'm saying you were a last few guy. I'm just saying like, you want guys that are trustworthy, that will work hard, that will not rock the boat and be sitting on the bench saying, well, I'm not getting any minutes, you know, and just kind of are willing to find a niche and work, keep working for that to get their minutes. And I think that's a good thing for, for the young people to take away this, the ability to, to look at yourself, look at the guys around and be like, how can I, how can I crack into this? You know? So that's good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's, you just have to find a way to, you know, make that team. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't be great, especially at the higher levels. You can't be great at everything. You know, yeah. um, but I remember just being the first guy off the bench to a high five guys, you know, at, during that China game, I remember, you know, Triano taking a double look as if he's just like, why are you going out there as if he thought I called his name? But really, no, it was a timeout. I knew there was a timeout coming. And so I was out, you know, playing with the guys and or congratulating the guys. So it was just something that I figured out. Um, mm -hmm. and it's tough for some guys to figure it out and you can say it so many times. I know you've said it a bunch of times on, on the podcast, but you know, those guys that do figure it out will have a spot, you know, they'll have a spot on a team, mm -hmm. they'll have a spot for a corporation, a business. Um, 
because you just kind of do what needs to be done. Like no job has ever been kind of beneath me, so to speak. Like I remember during mm-hmm. those years when we were grinding it out, you know, refing grade nine hoop games or, you know, we we're at the Dunbar <laughs> community center, right? Like all of those yep. things that programs. Yeah. drop in programs, exactly that we knew were short term and needed to happen in order for for us to get to where we were trying to get to um so mm-hmm. it's it it's just i don't know maybe it comes from parents but i think there are enough people saying it these days where it's gotta it's gotta resonate you know with individuals mm-hmm. and if it doesn't then then it doesn't right but where did it come from you? Did it come from your family and, you know, obviously and, and Tegan background and a uh, hardworking family? Like, do you think you just saw that happening on a daily basis or was it a combination of that with developing that worth it work ethic within yourself through sport? I think I didn't see it, but I see it now, like reflecting on how my parents got to Canada you know, and the types of jobs that they had to do in order to, you know, immigrate, immigrate to Canada. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm -hmm. but that didn't make sense to me then. You know, you're too young. You don't realize that. But now in hearing more of the stories and talking to your parents, it's just like, damn, you really wanted to be in Canada and you weren't afraid to do anything. To, to get the job done or, you know, to achieve your goal, to get your education, to become a nurse for your, for my mom or to become a businessman, my dad. Um, and it's just, you see the work ethic around the house, you know, you talked about my dad and his yard and he takes care of his stuff, whether it's, you know, the yard or his car or a house, like nonstop, just taking care of, you know, those things that are of value and, you know, so work ethic is probably something that I always saw um, from my parents that likely the reason why, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, something needed to be done. You go and do it plain and simple. Yeah. Love it. Um, before we move towards the right lightning round, um, I think Corbs, he always likes to ask a question. Um, so, but he's also really disappointed because he's scratched out his question three times since we've been talking. So I've <laughs> stolen it three times, but or was you have a question for Novi before we move on? Obviously aware of his time. And everything. Yeah. I just thank you for your time. Which, um, I'm just wondering, uh, how did you end up getting to uh, be you? Yeah. So I was at EA sports and I felt, um, that I needed a change and um, wanted to, like I said, sport, getting into sport administration was always something that I was interested in. And Gil Chung, probably six months before it opened up, he's the head coach here for the men's team who you guys had on the podcast. He was just like, are you interested in this position? Um, It's going to be coming up in a few months, you know, think about it and at the time we had just moved into what i thought was our forever house we just had our second child and i didn't think it was going to be anything and then um yeah time you know situations at work changed and 
you know, I felt it was time for a change. So I interviewed and came out here and uh, got the position here, um, which is kind of how it all played out. And it's been an interesting journey, uh, no pun intended. But uh, yeah, no, it's just very eye-opening um, at this level how things play out, um, how sport is administered, and um, but a lot of challenges. And you know, I'm not afraid of challenges, and you know, just wanted to develop basketball because when I got here, there wasn't much here in terms of grassroots programs. Um, there had been a bunch of different coaches here prior to my arrival here. Um, so, you know, it, it was when you go to a city, you expect there to be grassroots programs, uh, especially with the legacy of championships here back in the eighties and nineties. And you think uh, that there would be kind of that following and that buzz and that desire for youth to be involved in basketball. And I think there there is and always was, but there was no platform. So, um, you know, we started three programs, one uh, that services the entire Western Manitoba region, a nonprofit organization, and, you know, some club teams for boys and girls and skill development camps. Um, we started all those, and it's grown incredible amount over the last uh, eight years something that I'm super proud of um, because I think, you know, without locals and, you know, local talent being on the teams, it's, it's very challenging. Yeah. You need some studs and some superstars, but you need some local talent that's going to, to carry the load. Uh, you look at, you know, some teams that are consistently good, Sask, Regina, and they've got probably 90% of their roster from, within the within the province or within their city so you know there's some things against us here population wise but you know you just got to find ways find ways to be creative and to, to raise the bar for sure and next thing you know like you're eight years into it already that's crazy when you think about it right like is that uh is that awesome or scary to think of that it's been it's a little bit of both um yeah. you know in our 2015 year, 2014, 2015 year, I think we made the playoffs, which was the first time in 30 years. And you know what? It is, it's like competitive. When you're playing U of R, U of S, who are top five in Canada every year, um, and due to the number of teams in our conference, you don't play everybody, but we get to play them every year. Um, it's a little bit frustrating and you hate the scheduling gods but that's just the way it is um but in terms of you know being in the community and developing programs from youth and uh, getting our players out in the community and involved uh you know i think we're doing extremely well in that regard and you know i think 10 15 years from now when these kids get up and they've been exposed to club ball and traveling throughout the province and the neighboring provinces there'll be some kids that are ready to play um, for the Bobcats. For sure. Hey, that's, I think it's great that you're taking that on because you're right. Even my time there, you know, I think they had stars, but it kind of, you know, it was, it was, 
there was a grassroots program, but it was nothing that continued on as they moved and got older. Right. And it was left to the high schools to sort it out. So um, good on you for, you know, taking that initiative. And then it also allows the community to, you know, see the women that you coach, you know, have them become leaders in the community and, and knowing what Brandon's like in that community is like, they'll embrace you. Right. So just another good platform to them to work on some skills and, and to get to know some people in the community as well and feel even, you know, the ones that are, do come from out of province to feel even more attached to, to be you in the program there. For sure. Awesome, man. All right. Well, like this has been great. The, the journey is amazing. I, you know, I, I, uh, it's so fun to go back and just reflect on this. Like I talked about at the beginning. Um, but, uh, before we let you go, you know, aware of time and family and all that stuff, you okay to go through a bit of a lightning round here and see what your thoughts are and some more important topics in life. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Mine's right. my, uh, my, 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 mine isn't even a hoops journey. Like, you know, there's so many turns and ups and downs. Like a journey sounds organized. Like I just kind of reflect on my path, and it's just a hot mess. Um, but a hoops hot mess. <laughs> a hoops hot mess. Yeah. Um, but no, let's get into this lightning round. So you call it. All right. Obviously, time of day that we're recording this. Maybe you're going to stop at seven on the way home. What bag of chips are you grabbing? Ooh, that's tough. Well, that's not tough. Uh, I got four options for you. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> Sometimes I feel guilty uh, about my, ch- my chip eating, but I, it makes me feel better when people are like, I can't just pick one. Yeah. No, I can't. At number four, drum roll, please. Corpse. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Barbecue Lays. Let's go! That's number four. Wow. Wow, I think Corpse just had a heart attack. Yeah. No one is no one has dropped barbecue lays yet. He you should you should you No, should see I thought I heard somebody now. say barbecue lays. Bal. He said Bal. Bal from uh, Burn Creek did, yeah. He's oh, right. he is beaming right now. Okay. Number well, that's three. number four. Number three is, and it's the chip I eat the most, Lay's ketchup. Ooh, down with ketchup. Like, it's two Lay's right off the bat, hey? Okay. I'm all about the Lay's, you know, think about it. At number two, and this is this is kind of a, a sneaky one, baked Lay's. Like, are, are they plain? Yes, sir. The ones you get from Subway. <laughs> this guy said the ones you get from Subway. I know where we're. I don't see them Subway. anywhere else but at Subway. To be wow. completely honest. The brand but I don't Mercy eat that one very. Sponsored by Lay's potato <laughs> chips. <laughs> and coming in at number one, and I haven't heard this one yet on the podcast. Dorito ketchup, dude. The Dorito ketchup are fire. The problem is, and, and the problem is, and you know me, that Dorito ketchups mm. never go on sale. So I always no, they get don't. stuffed with the ketchup lays. <laughs> the lays ketchup. 
<laughs> and you know me, I need to see the red sale tag in order to make a purchase. <laughs> this is factual. This is factual. I think too, but it, like, I feel like the, the Doritos ketchup are kind of under the radar still a little bit. Like some know about them, some don't. Some people are like, oh, I've never tried. You know what I mean? So, but you're blow it up. Hoop's journey is going to blow it up. Let's go. We'll Let's get go, that. Dorito ketchup. <laughs> Who's been the most important person in your life? Oh, parents. Hands, hands down. Mom and dad. Um, you know, from the work ethic. Dad played cricket. Um, you know, we used to shoot hoops. We shot hoops once in the backyard together once. And at that time, he said, no, why don't you shoot with front spin? <laughs> I looked at him. <laughs> and I said, I actually just stopped because I was just like, well, if it does hit the front of the rim, you want it to continue to roll forward. But, uh, yeah, that was the one time being on the court with him, and that was the last time, I think. <laughs> my kids my kids play with play with him now when we go and visit my kids play in the backyard with him and they're like why does gramps you know slap so hard at the ball like he's giving it a spanking when he dribbles it and i said yeah, i don't know he played cricket so and of course mom you know mom was always at every game you know like i said always reminding me to constantly be better um and it was, you know, just thinking back, she would drive to everything, soccer, football, basketball, and the car rides were always quiet, you know, and just there for support, you know, not providing any insight whatsoever, just mm. just along for the ride, her shouting out to the team, rebound, and then at the end of the games, you know, she'd just come over. Whether we won or lost, you'd be saying, good good job, loser. And that was kind of, <laughs> that was the relationship, which, you know, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, who's the who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, uh, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with either Kobe or MJ. MJ did it first, but I don't know. I, I'm... I think Kobe did it better and against better. Wow. Yeah. Hot take. Hot we take. I think. Flaming hot cheetos, <laughs> man. I think uh, myself and Jeff Antwi may be the only guys that think that way. I remember him thinking that as well. There are probably others, well, when but. You got, when you guys were. When you were working at ea getting work yeah. done at ea you would yeah. talk about it yeah right yeah uh, <laughs> um reel off some of the greatest players you've had the opportunity to, to compete against so i know there's a few oh, but some of those who's u.s teams i felt like i always played yeah. against tim duncan when when he was <laughs> on the u.s teams whether it be under 22 or on the senior men's teams he seemed like he was always on that team um the last time I played them, they had Jake Kidd, Vince, Ray Allen, Iverson. I think that game we were down big at the half, so they so we rested Nash the second half. And it was cool, like to see all the NBA guys come over to our bench to see if Steve was okay. Like Jay, I remember Jason Kidd coming over to say, "Steve, you okay?" Um, 
So and he's just like, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And there are probably a couple other guys. But uh, Iverson that game gave me around 30. <laughs> uh, not, it, not one of my proudest moments, but yeah, 30. And it was, I remember there being a loose ball probably about six feet away from me and maybe eight feet away from him. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to get this. Nope. He got to that ball so quick. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so all those guys, you're just getting, it's one dude after the next, but that game Iverson uh, went off and I was kind of responsible for some of those, I would say probably 25 of those 30 points he scored. That's a, that's a good story. I'd like to have Iris to drop 25 on me too. One moment for me too is like when you and Jamal Crawford went toe to toe at uh, at Dolphin too. That was an awesome moment as well. When those American uh, teams used to come up. Yeah. Yeah. That was Dude, we didn't even get into some of those Dolphin Park tournament games, but that, that was fun. I think we actually uh, we yeah, actually we actually talked about doing like uh well i haven't talked to anyone about it we haven't talked to anyone about but just doing maybe like a dolphin park round table so get like you know Bira and bruce and those guys and like, mm, like that would be fun be to just fire yeah that would be and just like that mics awesome. out and just like listen to the stories right that's it just just listen to the stories it would be so good yeah yeah a lot of yeah, stories to, a lot of chefs yeah, we, shenanigans yeah, <laughs> that would be good. A lot of DJ Robbie Rob. Let's go. Yeah, I know he's gonna listen go. to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, three more. Uh, now, based on you know, we t- uh, a previous guest we talked about. You know, they like ketchup chips, but don't feel like ketchup is appropriate for certain things. So you have two of your top four as ketchup chips, and I feel like. I have a protein shake sitting next to me, but there's probably a 98% chance that I'm stopping to get Doritos ketchup on the way home. <laughs> um, what do you think about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, I can't stand Like, you talking crap dinner macaroni? I can't stand that stuff. However you now, feel like you want to answer this question, speak from your heart, son. Speak from your heart. Growing up, killed it. Uh, yeah. Sometimes with ketchup, towards the end, not with ketchup. But I don't even eat that now. Like, I don't even feed my kid. Like, it just takes... Why not just make regular pasta? Put some butter in it, some salt, sprinkle some real Parmesan cheese on it. It takes the same amount of time. And you know what you're feeding your kids? Yeah, it's not very good. That's how I feel about it. Like, ugh, when I see it in our house, I just give my wife an evil eye. Like, this stuff is no good. Wow, no, just uh, making all the parents out there feel less, hey? <laughs> Honestly, though, it takes the same amount of time to make real pasta. And my kids, well, I shouldn't say, I think they're fine without cheese or that whatever powdered packaged cheese, if that's even yeah. cheese. <laughs> but usually everything that's, yeah, so good is usually so bad for you, but. Right, so it's a hard no, and not even like let don't even bring the macaroni portion of it into my house. Fair enough. Um, I want to hear, man. Who are who are the top 
shoot your daughter in the calf muscle. Who are the top five rappers, in your opinion, ever? Ever? Gosh. Wow, that's easy. The first two are easy. You know what's yeah, big? I know. Yeah, I know you're going Biggie. And Jay-Z. They're way out going front. Jay-Z. We and went to Jay Z one say, year. Novi, Novi was oh. playing men's league soccer. He got a, he got a, a, he's in the middle. He got a ball, you know, chipped to him or whatever, rolled to him. He finishes it, puts it in the back of the net, and some guy who's still hanging on to his glorious soccer career comes in for the late slide and just shatters his ankle. So he's, we're like second row on the side, and Novi's on crutches. <laughs> yep, didn't stop me. Still went and didn't. He still went, went and didn't say a damn word about it, though. He didn't complain a damn thing. Didn't we get preferential treatment for me being on crutches? I can't remember. We did on the way out. We did on the way out, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about yeah. that, that security guard who thought that Rammer was standing on a chair? <laughs> yeah. Rammer's seven feet, that, and like, he comes over. He need to get... Oh, no, man, you're actually just that tall. <laughs> Rammer looks at him like, what? And looks down and his legs is size 17 feet. And the guy's like, oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> no, yeah. Biggie okay, Jay-Z. Biggie Jay-Z. I would say common, most deaf. And then after that, it's like, I fell in love with one of J. Cole's albums. I don't know if it was his second one. I haven't heard him since, but... Um, yeah, after that, it's like outcast. I like the entertainers, you know, the the artists who paint pictures, have good beats. Um, you know, common, most deaf, they're always making you think, you know, about society and social issues and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I would say those four, for sure. And then after that, I just want to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to bob my head. Went to common last summer. It was awesome. Mm. Yeah. I threw my Cubs jersey at him, and he didn't. He didn't give it back. I was worried. I, I wasn't. I had to wait like another half an hour just to get it back. But he had security go in and give it back to me. This guy's not a double XL jersey, man. Come on! I thought he was like maybe he'll sign it or something. No, I just got it back, like rolled up in a ball. Where did he play at? Commodore. Yeah, at the Commodore. It was unreal mm-hmm. as usual. Yeah. Most yeah. deaf too. Thank you for that. Now I just wish most deaf didn't like. Yeah, but I also respect that he kind of just. But man, black on both sides. That album is front to back, unbelievable, mm. unbelievable. Yeah, I just want to be entertained. He says like he's freaking uh, the gladiator. Are you not entertained? No, man. I just want to, you know, hear something that doesn't sound like the last song I just heard and. You know, I, I just need to hear a story at a good beat that draws me in. These days, I'm hearing songs on TikTok before I hear anything about them. <laughs> I hear them on the radio, and I'm like, hey, that's a TikTok song. Because my daughter's always TikToking yeah. all over the house. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I've done one or two myself. But Your holiday your holiday basketball tiktok was an absolute fire i gotta give you props. oh she wanted me to do a tiktok that everybody in the world's doing and i said look you create a tiktok and i'll do it with you and i didn't think she was gonna do it and she said okay i'm ready let's go do this tiktok i'm like what so we went and did the tiktok and now i'm blowing up (laughs) yeah we're we can dig that out We'll, we'll get that up don't worry oh no there's no need there's no need 
We'll find it. <laughs> this has been awesome, man. You know, I appreciate you. No, and, there's and two Mike. more coaches. No, no, no. There's two more questions. Yeah, I know there are. Was, why are you trying to tell me how to run my podcast, man? Jeez. Because it's about me this episode. <laughs> how are there two more questions? I only have one. Best player I ever played with. Go ahead. Uh, get this. In money tournaments, Joey Vickery. Woo! Man, shout out, BU. Shoot. He could yes, shoot he it. It was comical. It was comical. Like, he was doing Steph Curry-type shots way before. Just... Oh, it was crazy. I love that you prefaced it with in money tournaments. Like, he's got subsections <laughs> to this answer. Like, <laughs> I'm prepared. I if told there's you money prepared. on the line, it's me and Joey Vickery. Let's go. Yep. For sure. He was a straight and, bucket, though. There's no questioning that. He could, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know if he was the best, but just it was just fun to play with someone where you could just pass it to him mm. eight feet from the three-point line, and he'll just jack it mm. up and splash. Yeah. But <laughs> on the national team, for sure, Rowan Barrett, he was a beast. And I was playing with him kind of towards the end of his career, but, you know, very explosive. I remember him giving it to Vince in, I think, uh, Olympic qualifiers in Puerto Rico. Um, played with him. Like, I didn't play with Steve. I was never on the court at the same time with Steve, but would get mm-hmm. some burn with uh, with Roan. And, yeah, he was, I can never he was something out. else. Why did he never – did he get a crack at the league? Uh, not sure. I think I don't know if he did. He rumor, play, man. rumor had it like the game where he gave it to Vince. Doc Rivers was front row watching, and supposedly Doc Rivers gave him a call, inviting him to their camp. I think Doc was in Orlando at the time. I'm not sure, but Rowan was. I think he was going. He had another year on his contract overseas, or just wasn't interested because I think he knew how that kind of would play out. But not sure if it was true. I think it was true, but man, he was. He was giving it to Vince, and that was when Vince was in Toronto. So, you know, Rowan knew people from Toronto were watching, and man, he was he was hitting some tough shots. That's crazy. Best yeah, player coached yeah. since you asked. You <laughs> yeah. Um, her name is Cassie Cook. Coached her my second year out here. Led Canada in scoring. I think was a conference all-star and just like average 25 20 range like from distance could pass had that fu factor that a lot of kids don't have um but she was one american right yeah she's american American? yeah supposedly recruited by um pat summit at uh for tennessee but um just wasn't picking up her phone or something along those lines. Interesting kind of how she made it to Canada and how she made it to us, but wow, she could she could fill it and like just strong and unbelievable. Hmm. Is that the same year that you guys end up making playoffs? Or no? Nope. Uh, we made it to the playoffs two years after that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Re- I remember reading about her um, when you re- when you had her there. 
Is there another SAB category? No. No. Okay. Um, last question, man. If you could do it all again, you would. Um, you know, tough question to ask. I'm sorry to answer, but for me, I wish I had been more practical as a coach and less practical as a player. Hmm. Tell me more. So, you know, as a coach, I always felt as though I could, you know, skill development, skill develop somebody to the point where, you know, on court, they'd be a stud or, you know, technically X's and O's would be able to, you know, out coach the next coach. So when I say being more practical as a coach, like, you know, just settle down, bud. Okay. You need players first and foremost. If you don't have the horses, it's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> and so in that sense, um, you know, just, and this is all hindsight, obviously. And then what I mean by less practical as a player is just kind of dream more, be more aggressive. And, you know, when I finished from SFU, I got a job, right? And I was, you know, that was the practical way to go. You know, you, you graduate, you have a job, you work. Mm -hmm. Luckily, you know, I had that moment where it was just like, you know what, I'm good with work. Work will always be here. I'm going to focus on hoops. But, you know, and, and part of being practical was mom and dad's influence. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I told them that I was going to stop working and pursue basketball again, they were like all for it, you know. So um, those are the only things that come to mind when, you know, I knew that question was coming. Those are kind of the answers that I would give. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, getting denied by the Richmond School Division was one thing, and mm -hmm. you know. If if I had been accepted and went to Richmond High, who knows what would happen? Maybe we won a provincial title, and maybe we didn't. And but what yeah. about all the other stuff? What are the other things that kind of worked out to to my favor? So yeah, no, I think uh, if I could do it all over again, I would spend more time with you. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Got jokes. Got jokes. Oh, you didn't mean that? Oh, oh you know, you know. It's heartbreaking. I always want to spend more time yeah. with you. Absolutely. You know, that taste in 2001 wasn't enough. I know. And Corbs wants stories. That's that's offline. Um, yeah, way offline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play that, play that dope outro music he likes. Um, before we let you go, looking at the time here, a couple hours, awesome story. I know there'll be lots of people out here, hopefully, you know, in the branded community that check it out too, that don't know a lot about you. Um, but any last shout outs or anyone that maybe you didn't mention or anything you want to mention before um, we can uh, get you on your way. And we do appreciate your time, my man. No shout outs, but, um, you know, this is a great kind of forum for people to get to know basketball in BC and people like I heard the Ian Hydelace podcast and Gurley's podcast and you know it's just hearing their stories and their version and versions and 
that sort of stuff is just awesome and what you guys are doing are for the community basketball community and for kids especially because i know there's a huge sdm following listening to these and um i think it's just great to to relive and be forced to rethink kind of how things played out in your life and all those people that made a difference along the way and the people that you kind of influenced and inspired at some point as well so mm -hmm. good on you guys and keep it up and hopefully uh, you'll continue to get more uh, interesting guests on and people that i've never heard of yeah especially so that cool man especially we so that i can get that intro playing again yeah you write some <laughs> you write some bar bars for me i'll spit them for you before we before an episode <laughs> well, i'll have to charge you yeah, for writing fee for those okay drake i'll get i'll talk to drake he's used to it couldn't have said it better myself and it's been a fun adventure and i actually was kind of like beating myself up over the last few days i was like i got to spend all this time with nov and it took me to get a podcast to ask him these things you know what i mean and like i think corbin and but i are you learning know what? And growing yeah you know what though like things happen mm. for a reason and you know maybe this sure. is the best way to do it right Shout out to Shane. Yeah. Ask Shane if do they shave afros? You know, I got a beard right now that needs to be trimmed. The Shane Shaner Meyer. Do they do that at uh, his at his spa? Yeah. Oh yeah, they trim beards. Oh yeah, they got everything. Wait, I said, do they trim afro beards? Oh, afro beards. Yeah, man. Oh, you don't know. He's saying that with confidence. <laughs> We're definitely deleting that part of the podcast. This is a sponsor, man. I know it's a sponsor. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know. Do you want me to call him? Just let him know Nov was wondering. Okay, I will. Yeah, I will. When he uh when he makes it over to Good Lad soon. Well, you know what? Be thinking of you the next few weeks, man. I don't know what's what's going to happen here with coaching and then you sports season, but uh, my heart is going out to all the all the people involved in, you know, post secondary um, high school is one thing, and obviously if it doesn't work for us, but I think the time and energy and effort that goes into Canadian sport is huge, and um, I really hope that they can make something work. And I know in a couple of weeks you guys will be hearing, so one well, more than a couple, a few, but uh, you know, hopefully we can you know, figure something out. It won't mean you guys will be able to make it out this far, but I know there'll be a time again and we'll, we'll appreciate those moments more for sure. Yeah. Well, Hey, it's all part of the journey, right? Got it, man. Or the, what did he call it? Hot mess. Hot mess. The, hot, the hot mess. That's it from uh, hoops, hot mess with absolute legend, Novell Thomas. He's always been a legend in my eyes. And I know many people um, out here, uh, you know, just love and appreciate who he is as a human being, stand-up guy, um, and uh, proud to call him my friend. So thanks for being with us. Thanks to our sponsors, Good Lad, Parkside Brewery, another one down. Corbs and I still living in the, living the dream and moving on. We'll see you on the next episode.